Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. We'll open your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. In this passage, this is a letter to Ephesus. It's 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 a warning and it's a challenge at the same time. This is heavenly correspondence. This is from God and what he has to say through John to the church of Ephesus. And uh, what you know is this is the first of seven letters to the seven churches of Asia. And so uh, this is God through John to the church of Ephesus. We're starting verse three. We're just reading uh, Revelation verse uh, chapter two, verse three through five. And it says this, it says, I know This speaks to everybody, I believe, today. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you first had. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Don't let verse five freak you out. We want to talk verse three, four, and five and talk about really what it means to remember verse five, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. And so in thinking about that, what you see in verse three is this. What God is saying through John is, I see you standing strong. You could have fallen. You have the opportunity to fall every day. You could have fallen apart pandemic, school being canceled, sports being canceled, just all of it, right? And it's just a constant. It's a constant. And so then I see you standing strong. You could have fallen apart, but instead you dug deeper. In verse four, he says, I need to talk to you about something. I need to talk to you about something. Why did you leave what you had? Why did you leave what you had? And then in verse five, he says, do what you did at first. Remember from where you fall or from where you've fallen from, right? Repent and get back to what you had. Get back to what you had. And what he's saying here is this. It is um, memory. Your memory is to use and play as your motivation. It's what helps you move forward in rough seasons and those rough patches of life in dark times. As a baby church, uh, meaning us, I understand that most of our engagement is coming from believers. And so it really uh, tends to help me in how I craft the message and from where, what stance I'm taking when, when I share, right? And so in all of that, because we have a bunch of believers and we, we are, we were 10 weeks old when we came home, we really don't know who calls our church home. That's one of our biggest concerns. And so If you're already in relationship with Jesus, that's great. Knowing who calls us home is awesome, but it's not to say we have this many people. It's to know who we're pouring into so we can actually help you move forward, right? And so I say that to say this. If you already have a relationship, I just want to challenge you to remember the day that you established that relationship with God, that Jesus bought bought and brought restoration to your life, to your relationship with God. What was it? Was it in church? 
was this a prayer with your grandma? Was this uh, on the porch with your dad? What was that day like? What was that day like? Remember the day. Why did you choose? For me, I knew for months before I made the decision. And so there was, I was super anxious when I actually prayed to receive Christ. And I'll never forget the whole experience. I think you can sit in the same boat and say, I remember that day. How did you feel? How'd you feel knowing that it, this is the time? How'd you feel? Where were you? What was it like? Remember, your memory is going to fuel you, especially these seasons. Remember, take time. If you're taking notes, that's one thing you can write down. You say, Dusty, you're, you're speaking right now, and I really don't want to take time to do that. Write it down. Take some time this week and go back. Go back and revisit and visit again and visit again. It's just like watching Netflix. After you see it the third time, you got the whole show down, right? And so go back and remember, remember. And the last thing is, what was it like afterwards? The day after, the week after, month, what was it like? What was it like? If you're going to get back to what you had, you must remember. You must remember. John 16, 33 is the scripture for this message. It says this, I've told you all. I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. But take heart because I have come and over, I have overcome the world. If this is what Jesus is saying, and he says, I've overcome the world, and he is in you, then you have overcome the world. This is why God has, has called you a <laughs> victorious, right? This is why you're triumphant, because you have the one who overcame the world in you. And so then what does it mean to take heart? If you look at, man, there's so many different versions of this scripture. But when you look uh, in the Bible and you read and you find out what taking heart means, I love that they're bees. It's a bee. Be courageous. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Be brave. Take heart. That's what it means when it says take, but take heart. But take heart because I've overcome the world right? And so you might not have a lot right now, okay? You might be in a tough spot financially. You might be in a tough spot with your job. You might be in a tough spot with your marriage or your kids. You might be in a tough spot because you're facing uh, another school. You're sitting at home. So many students watching right now. It's awesome. You might be in a place where uh, you've put all of your eggs in this basket. You're, a, you're an incredible football player and your season's been canceled. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I just want to say this. You might not have a lot right now and you might not see or think or feel that you have a lot, but you have a heart, but you have a heart. You have heart. And so with all the mandates and the uncertainty of our leadership and all the things that are happening in your life, you have heart. My first question to you, if you're taking notes is, have you lost it? Have you lost heart? Have you just got to the place five months into 168 mandates? Have you got to the place where you've lost heart? And I just want to let you know it's okay. It's okay. Because I've lost heart several times through this whole thing. Uh, lots of uncertainty. But I think the one thing that I come back to is God. Is God. We have a friend that always says, but God. But God. That's a popular Christian phrase that... that, that believers throw around. And I just want to say this, if you've, if you've lost heart, you're not alone. You're not alone. 
And I want to let you know that Paul was tempted to lose heart himself. He wrote this to other believers who were tempted to do the same in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. This is verses 1, and then we're going to do 16 and 18, and they're going to be on the screen for you. And so hang with me. This is uh, Paul talking about losing heart. And so he says this, verse 1, Through God's mercy we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Through God's mercy we have this ministry. Your ministry, not this redefined ministry, the ministry of the gospel, okay? Through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Verse 16 through 18, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's huge. Day by day, being renewed, 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 day by day. Take heart. That that means it's consistency, in case I lose that later. Consistency. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We're living for eternity, not for right now. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The the reason that we do not lose heart is because of the message of Jesus. It's the promises of God that we're talking about standing on, right? It's because the message that Paul has to proclaim is so amazing. It's so amazing that he starts and ends by saying, therefore, we do not lose heart. That's verse 1 and verse 16 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What I want you to see, though, is in verse 17, Paul is calling what we have, the message, the promises of God, to be treasure. He's saying this is treasure. And yet the treasure is, this is verse 7, yet the treasure is inward and unseen. Paul describes it as being in jars of clay. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power, that, that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Treasure, the message, the promise. Take heart. And what you need to see and know, and, and I think that you've all realized this, is, is our culture emphasizes the outward and the seen. The outward and the seen. Because we listen with our emotions and our eyes. It's, it's, it's all this right here. It's just back and forth. And so the media is dominated by what you see and what you hear. It's built on outward success. It's all what you see. It's, and, and the reality is, is nothing is, nothing is as it seems. And so the Bible, however, is the opposite of that. The message, God's promise is very different. It stresses the importance of inward and unseen aspects of our character. It focuses on the thoughts and the beliefs and the attitudes that determine, that determine who we are by our outward behavior. But it starts inside unseen. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, the very next verse, says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. That's where a lot of people sit right now, whether it be mentally emotionally, physically, we're all sitting in a place right now where we've been hard-pressed but not crushed, where we've just received some news that, uh, you know, just yesterday, no, two days ago, we, we have some news that um, where we live, uh, Gross Points, they've canceled school for the year. We're doing distance learning, and, um, and now the football season has been canceled. And so a lot of the guys that, um, that I work really close with and – and that, that work really hard 
aren't getting to have their season because of because of what's happening in, in the world. And so um, I just want to tell you guys, take heart, take heart, take heart. You might not have structure right now. You might not have systems right now. You might not have school. You might not have sports. You might really not even know your own way right now. You might not even know what you want, but you have heart. You have heart. Take heart. I mean, be courageous. Be of good cheer. Be brave. The letters that we're talking about in Exodus, these letters are, are to real churches. They're with real leaders. And these are real leaders facing, or pastors, or you know, whoever you want to call them, apostles, facing real circumstances. And in all of that, we know this. We know that the right heart, that when the right heart meets the right home, miracles happen. When the right heart, when the right heart is in line, miracles happen. When we take heart, when we actually get out of the external, right? And say, okay, okay, what do I have? What do I have? As opposed to looking at all of the external and saying, what do I not have? And so this is why we're regrouping as a church. Uh, But for us to regroup together, we must regroup as individuals. We must be able to take heart, right? And to say, okay, this is it. And we're going. We've talked that over the last few weeks. And so if you missed any of this uh, season we're in, make sure you go back. But I want you to know that today is that you don't know, you don't have to know for God to move in your life. You don't have to know everything for God to move in your life. We know several people who, man, they just love to have those ducks in a row, man. And they just love having everything planned out and knowing and 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 having, you know, <laughs> the next year laid out or the next five years. And there's a lot of that that I love too. But in all reality, today is enough. Today's enough. In Matthew 5, 6, it says this. It says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied, filled, and have everything they need. Who does God bless? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied, filled, and have everything they need. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to be filled. It doesn't say those who wonder and know. It says those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness, not for things, right? Not for things. And so what God's saying is you only have to have a heart, a fight, a drive, a desire to see God move, right? And so Psalms 107, 9, there's two scriptures that really back up Matthew chapter 5 or 6 is this. Psalms 107, 9 says, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Proverbs 21, 21 says, those who pursue righteousness and loving devotion find life, righteousness, and honor. And what I want you to see is that heart is not a personality trait. Heart is not a personality trait. It's who you are. It's who you are. Heart can go anywhere, and it's seen and heard everywhere because it is in you, and Christ is in you. Heart can go anywhere and is seen and heard everywhere because it's in you. It's Romans 8, 10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. You have been made right with God. Heart is not a personality trait. It's who you are. It's who you are. You've been picked up today and you've been put in a place where you can 
Stand firm like we talked last week. Heart isn't proven by something you do, by the way. A lot of people say, man, that guy's got a lot of heart. Man, that guy's got a lot of heart. And they say that most of the time because there's an action or a spirit of just never giving up. And having heart is not about something you do. It's really about who you are. Having uh, having a heart is who you are. And so then the church in Ephesus that John is, is speaking to, they're being commended for their consistency, aren't they? You see that in verse 3. It says, um, man, it says you've endured and you've fought, you know, you've, you've fought the good. Let me go. Let me go find it because I'm going to botch it if I don't. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary and you've not grown weary. And so they're being commended for their consistency, but it's easy to look like you have it all together on the outside by doing. Man, that guy's got heart. He just keeps, he just keeps coming. He just keeps coming back. That's external. Nobody sees the, the, the wrestling match or the fight that's happening on the inside that we've talked about. Nobody knows what's going on behind the curtain, behind the scenes, because we can all put on the mask and look like, man, my heart is great. I'm just so happy, right? Life is good. It's all good, right? It's all good. It is all good if your heart's in the right place. But when your heart's in the wrong place or you've lost your heart, and to say that, one, it's easy to sense, and two, it makes life difficult. And it makes life difficult. That life, life, what I have here is not about being endured. God didn't call any of us to endure. God never said, tell you what, why don't you go in there and just endure? It's going to be rough, man. Just hold on for dear life and hopefully you make it. He didn't say that. He didn't say it. What's happened in, in verse three that we're not seeing is, is we're not to endure and uh, do not grow weary and all, all those things. It is, he's saying that because what he's going to say in verse four is, you left what you had. You left what you had. And because you left what you had, you've had to work twice as hard to keep a good face, to keep a good front, right? The proof of your heart then is in your consistency. It's trusting in what is unseen. It's trusting in what's unseen. Being renewed day by day. Remember that day by day consistency. Being renewed day by day, that means every day, taking heart every day, not just when I feel good, right? Because we're living for eternity. We're not living for right now. We're living for eternity. God doesn't want your experience. God wants your heart. We're after experience. We want it all to feel nice and rosy and great. I love comfort too. I do. And that's what we all want. But God doesn't want our experience. God wants our heart. He wants your heart because he knows when you get your heart, everything else will take care of itself. When you get your heart back, when you pick yourself up from whatever mistake it is that you've made or whatever circumstance you sit in or whatever situation that's got you feeling like crud, when you get your heart back, everything else falls into line. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Everything else will take care of itself when you get your heart back. The struggle is this. We keep telling God that we need these external things fixed. We just, if you can just fix all of these things around, 
and we're not addressing the root of the issue. It's us. It's our heart, right? To be in the will of God, all you need is to take heart. To be in the will of God, you only need to take heart. All he wants is your heart, a deep desire to be, not a drive to do. All God wants is your heart. Your heart, when focused on the right thing, will press past your personal preferences, and it will kneel down in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, not my will, but your will be done. It's been led for us before. We've seen it. We've read it. We've seen it in movies. It's that. When your heart is focused on the right thing, you will press past your personal preferences and you will find your place with everything you need. You ever notice how you don't have to urge somebody to stay somewhere they enjoy being? Why? They love it there. They love it there. You don't have to drop somebody off at some amusement park and say, now listen, you stay here, right? They love it there. Feel the same in some of our homes, right? I don't have to urge anybody to stay at our house. They love coming. They love visiting, and it's great. We love visitors. You never have to urge somebody to stay where they enjoy being, right? It's not how the people felt at Ephesus. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance, for it determines the course of your life. For it determines the course of your life. You don't have to be urged to do anything when your heart's in the right place. When your heart's in the right place. Only your heart can make you stay. Only your heart can make you stay. Stay where you are. Handle what you're going through. Help you move forward, right? Your heart's going to help you stand firm when you find yourself in situations that don't make sense. When you find yourself in circumstances that are uncomfortable and you just want to run. And people are, going to, people are saying, now, now, just hang on. It's okay if you'll just stay right here. It's your heart, right? When you find yourself in circumstances that are uncomfortable, take heart. Take heart. Your heart's what keeps you connected to God. It's what keeps you connected to the source. It's the source of your peace. Remember, peace is on the inside. Peace is what's in us. It's not what's around us. Today, today, a lot of us don't have the experience to get through month six of a global pandemic. It's just reality. A lot of uncertainty, fear. How are we going to homeschool our kids again? That's a mess. We're still figuring it out. And so when they figure it out, I have to figure it out, which means I have to teach my kids how to figure it out. And I don't have that capacity right now because we're working different hours. And, it, and it's all of these things, right? It's all of these things. And today it's okay to not have the experience because nobody does. And that should make you feel better. Nobody has the experience of making it through month six of a global pandemic. It's happened a handful of times in the history of the world. And so we just happen to be the fortunate ones that call ourselves believers that get to show other people by our actions how. How? And even though you don't have the experience, you have heart. You have a heart. Take heart. 
what you see is the church at Ephesus abandoned their first love. They didn't lose it. They left it. They didn't lose it. They left it. You didn't lose your heart. You left it. You left it. That's it. And so then, we have to stop going through the motions and get our heart back. Take heart. Take heart. Verse 5 of uh, Revelation 2, verse 5, it's, he says, repent, repent. And here's where, I, where I'm at. I feel that as the big C, as the capital church, we must repent. As individuals, we need to repent for leaving what we loved, what we trusted, for neglecting our relationship with our Heavenly Father, for not seeking Him for guidance, and for looking to ourselves, for looking outside and seeing all of the externals, and losing what we had. Losing what we had. How do we get back? Remember, after that, I'm sorry. Heartfelt. I'm sorry. It's not regret. You're not regretting sitting in this place with an opportunity to move forward. You're remembering where you've fallen from. It's what verse 5 tells us. Remember where you've fallen from and get your mind on higher things. Set your mind on things that are above, not below, right? Think on things that are pure, right, holy, true, noble, just. Set your minds on higher things. Don't get lost in all of the external. Repentance, this is huge. Repentance is not about feeling how you felt before. I'm not going to say that'll never happen, but that's not what it's about anyways. Repentance is not about feeling what or how you felt before. We're not called to live by our feelings anyways. Repentance is getting back to consistency. It's having a heart that is consistent in a relationship with God, right? You have to walk it out. You have to walk it out. Here's my last analogy. When David killed Goliath, it was not his first throw. He didn't come to the game ice cold without any experience, right? He came in and what he had was heart as a boy with a heart bigger than all of us, because he said, you defy the God that I serve. And God said, that's enough for me. That's enough for me. The reason that we gather online and in person is so we can prepare to go through what we, what we don't have the capacity for, so we can prepare to go through the week ahead of us. That's why we gather online today. You're connected with a couple hundred people right now. You probably don't know any of their names. It's okay. You'll get to know them if you'll comment and say, hey, I see you. I've seen you here before. Send them a message. Don't be weird. You know what I'm saying? But we gather online in person in homes all over so we can prepare for what we're going to go through without this meeting. That's why. It's not to come in and be like, I just got to get that out of the way. I just got to get that out of the way. Hopefully, you're not just getting church out of the way with redefined church because that's that's really the opposite of what we're trying to do, right? We want to be the cause. And so the reason we worship, the reason we clap our hands, the reason we celebrate in church 
is because we don't know what kind of noise we're going to hear outside of here. Outside of this one hour, we don't know what we're going to get. And so then, we need to worship. There needs to be praise. There needs to be rejoicing. It must be. Because otherwise, what noise are we fighting? We've got to be able to. Remember last week I said, in the middle of the storm, I worship. You need to worship. Here's what you know. If I started singing right now, it wouldn't sound very good. A couple of reasons. I've never sang, like, as a, you know, I've never sang. Sing all the time. I'm not a professional. I don't even know how to breathe when it comes to singing. Crap, sometimes I can't breathe standing right here. It wouldn't sound very good because I'm out of practice. Never practiced. But if I got Will Reagan to come and sing right now, one, we would blow up. <laughs> It'd be amazing. He would be great, though. Why would he be great? He's practiced. He's practiced. You need practice. Not in a ritualistic way where it's just checking a box. But to answer the question, how? How do I take heart? How do I stand firm? How do I stand on the promise? You've got to get the promise in you. That takes practice. And with practice, it has to be consistent. And so it's got to be consistent. Consistency completes everything in your life. The things that you are good at, you've been consistent with. That's it. And so then consistency completes everything, including your life in eternity. It's going to be built on your consistency here on earth. What you need to see today is David, as a kid, slayed a giant. And later, as a king, he took another man's wife. We all know this. I'm not going to dive too deep into it today. And as a kid, he stood and his heart was for God. And all God needed was his heart to move. All God needed was his heart for a miracle to happen. And it happened. And as a man, his heart turned toward himself. And as it did, he wrote Psalms 51. In Psalms 51, this is where David gets honest with God. He gets real honest. And he's up front. And he asks God a couple of things. He says, just create, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart to repentance. Create me a clean heart. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say anything about anything else. Don't fix anything else in my life. Fix my heart, God. Fix my heart. That's all he's asking. That's all he's asking. I've got a couple of the, uh, your action step today would be to read Psalms 51. But here's a couple of the verses. Verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. That's the God you serve, a God of mercy, unfailing love, and great compassion. That's the God you serve. That's the God that we call God. That's the God who sent his son. It says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. I've lost it. Down to verse 6, he says, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Let me rejoice right now. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain from my guilt. Remove my guilt. Verse 10 is where he says it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
renew a loyal spirit within me. Loyal. It's take to be loyal. Consistency. The sacrifice you desire, this is verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. David says, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And he won't. You just left it. You didn't lose it. Take heart today. A couple of scriptures I want to leave you with. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew 5, 8. There's two Matthew 5, 8s I have for you. God blesses those people whose hearts are pure. And because they're pure, they see God. Happy are the pure in heart, they see God. Happy are the pure in heart. Today, I want to remind you of Philippians 4, 6. It says, He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Exactly written, it says, Be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Will perfect it. What perfect it means here is maturity. Will perfect it. He's going to keep honing. Why? Consistency. Consistency. Maturity comes through consistency. Maturity happens with consistency. God wants to perfect your faith. He wants to perfect it until he returns. Maturity happens with consistency. And that's what perfect means. Take heart and keep it. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.